And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. And, you know, we talk a lot about different issues that are confronting our community, confronting our families, confronting ourselves. And today we're joined by Gaina Lynn Condi, author, podcaster, speaker. And you've been tackling a lot of issues that are affecting all of those things, Gaina Lynn, right? When something happens to an individual or to a family, it ricochets out into a community. Yes, I feel grateful to be with you and having this conversation today, but I like to say that I'm the speaker um, author that talks about the uncomfortable stuff. And 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 you broke ground by doing that talking about suicide. Yeah. Right? My 40-year-old sister took her life five years ago, and um, I had already put together a manuscript for the first book, I Can Do Hard Things With God, had submitted it and then she passed. And a few weeks after her passing, um, my publisher came to me and we reworked what was originally in that book to include her story because when I wrote it, she hadn't she hadn't taken her life. So that became one of my big whys. And it doesn't matter what group I'm speaking to. I've done about 780 speaking events in the last four or five years all over the world. And it doesn't matter what school, corporation, church group, community event I'm at. I will squeeze suicide in there. I often tell organizers of events, don't bill me as the suicide speaker (laughs) because no one will come to your event. No one wants to talk about it. It's a Mm -hmm. yucky, yucky topic. Um, But I will always bring it up. And the reason why is because every person on the planet falls into three categories. One, they struggle themselves with depression, anxiety, or suicidal ideation. Two, they love someone that does. Or three, they've already lost someone. That's literally everyone on the planet. It is. And I think what's a surprise, um, and thank you for having the courage, by the way, to write about your sister and to talk about that because it does lift some of the taboos that we felt, right? And the shame and the guilt and the sadness when we share that together. But what's interesting is, is as I've been involved in some of the information and talked to professionals about this, it's just in the lifetime of an individual, you, you can look and say, okay, over time, whether it occurs in our childhood, in our teens, and then into our adulthood, we're going to experience waves of mental health when it's more stable and when it's less stable. Yeah. If we look at our body, it's very similar. There will right. be times where, where it will be stronger and there'll be times it'll be less strong. Right. And so depression and or anxiety and or uh, if that leads us to suicide ideation is part, can be an expected part of the cycles or of the challenges of of life. And so we address it and we normalize it. In other words, we talk about it, we get some help. We name it Mm -hmm. to tame it. I I validate um, when I talk to people that have maybe a chronic struggle with it. So for my sister, it was a lifetime of risk factors that contributed to it. Um, I come from a family that has mental health issues. For me personally, I have an awareness because of the family I come from, but I don't fight it in the same way that Meg did. Um, but I'm I'm super aware of what I call the pit. And so my close friends and, and my support s- system knows that, okay, my leg is in the pit up to my knee. If my if I'm up waist deep, then we're we're in trouble. If I'm up to my neck, we're and there was a time in my life my my grandmother had passed. I had helped her through seven fights with breast cancer, and her and my grandfather lived close to me, and I was the main kind of caregiver. I was a young mom. I was dealing with chronic illness. I have lupus, 
and my husband was working a lot of hours. And there was a period of time I really did need an intense intervention and support in, in different ways. But, but I'm asked often, especially here in Utah, why we have such a high rate. Is it a teen issue? Is it an LGBT issue? Is it a religious affiliation issue? Is it a veterans issue? Is it elevation? Is it elevation, right? right? Mm -hmm. I get tagged in every post, every research, and I love that people want to send me that information. I say it's across the board. Every demographic, it is increasing. And so if we, if, and I'm not saying we shouldn't look at marginalized groups or high risk groups and say, what can we do? Because a teen, um, risk factor is very different than my sister who was in her forties. She was tired. She had a great therapist. She had great ecclesiastical support. She had done medication and, and other things. A teen makes a decision statistics show somewhere between 15 minutes from having the thought and making the decision. The impulsivity, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's no frontal cortex. So I think whatever messaging we're doing out there, we need to keep that up. You know, sometimes we lose someone like Kate Spade or Robin Williams, and it then becomes the topic that everyone... And the day we placed Meg's headstone was the day Robin Williams was found. Mm. And I remember for a moment thinking, okay, the whole world understands the unique grief around suicide, which is a what-if grief. It leaves a door open in schools, in workplaces, in communities and families, that that is now an option. So I speak boldly. It is not an option. We will not be better without you. And the person fighting through that thought has started to believe that the world would be better without them. And that's why I will always message about that. Mm-hmm. And, because and, we'll never be and, better without anyone. Right? And isn't it one of those messages that we are learning and that we need to learn to communicate to those people that we love yeah. intensely? Yeah. That um, their emotional or mental burden is a shared burden that we share because we love them and not because we don't we don't we we don't want them to feel like they're a burden to us in other words we yeah. in other words no life is so much richer with you yeah where, my my mm-hmm. my mess, my support to families that reach out to me that have dealt with mental health issues there is some fatigue there's some battle fatigue if you love someone that's chronically depressed or anxious it's okay to have healthy boundaries and receive support in supporting them. It's not all on you to save them. But I do think we need to start having a conversation that all of us walk around with parts of us that are broken, that do, that we feel like if we could just fix this about me, then I could really rock my life. Then the world would just be so blessed to have me. But until then, oh my gosh, I'm, I am this huge flaw on the face of humanity. My life's not better without Meg. Seven books published, all the speaking events, all the media. Um, my life's not better in the last five years. The other day I was bra shopping, which anyone that, you know, has to do that. I don't. <laughs> you don't envy them. <laughs> no, right. it's swimsuit shopping and bra shopping is not my favorite. And I have talked about Meg's death, her life, her struggles so often that I very rarely like in the moment of messaging break down. Mm-hmm. I, it's not that I don't feel the emotion, but I, it's very much my why. I'm in the middle of Cole's sobbing the ugly cry because all I wanted to do is call my sister and say, oh, I hate shopping for bras. And I thought, isn't this, this is the snapshot of the value of the worth of one human life. Like it's not about her grades or what she did for me or it, it 
the value of the every, connection. It's, mm-hmm. it's the value of every person on the planet at all times. And so we need to do a better job because Instagram has all these filters and we have this false sense that somehow everybody around us in our neighborhood is in Hawaii. They've lost 25 pounds or eating keto chocolate cake. They're training for a marathon. Their kids are going to Harvard. And we're the ones hiding in our closet. Which means we're damaged goods instead of we're human. We're all experiencing. We're all experiencing Mm -hmm. um, areas of our lives where we're works in progress. This is Gaina Lynn Condi. And and we're talking about, I guess we just started it out with a book called, um, oh goodness. You Are More Than Enough, You Are Magnificent. It came out last year. And that that book just won um, Best, Best of, of State. State. Congratulations. But my very first book that has Meg's suicide story was... I Can Do Hard Things. I Can Do Hard Things with God. And that's yeah. right. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's take it back to the Best of State Yeah. Book. T- talk to me about what were some of the truths that you felt like it was important to write? So it's interesting because I have quite a few... Uh, to, as as the date of this taping, I have four compilation books out, and I love compilation. I have three in the With God series and one called The Decision That Changed My Life. And I love compilation books because one chapter can be a different voice, a different story, and if you're not a reader, you can get through it. But You Are More Than Enough is all me. There's no, it's all my guts. <laughs> and I like to say that I wrote it from the place that the reader is um at as well. I didn't have I don't have it all figured out. I have a book that says you are more than enough and I still have to choose into that thought every day. Um and and I broke it down into 10 different areas that maybe we feel not enough in. And for example, beauty, not enough time, not enough faith, not enough strength. And it's interesting I wrote it during the time we were having the shooting um, the hurricanes and the eclipse. Do you remember that oh, summer? Yes, that yes. I swear every Monday I woke up and, and I there was, was af- another traumatic story. Seriously, mm-hmm. I was afraid to listen to the news because I thought, and, and I, w- I had mapped out writing that book because I was also writing the book that just came out this year. Um, I can choose joy with God the same summer. So I had to really be specific about my writing schedule. And so I had mapped it out. Like this is the week I'm going to write this chapter on this. And it was almost as if the Monday news coincided exactly with like when I wrote about faith that that was the week of the eclipse and I remember thinking everyone had this moment experience where it went dark and what we were just talking about on mental health issues that we have times in our lives where it feels like it goes dark we knew it was an eclipse and the sun was going to come back out um but that was a really intense, especially here along the Wasatch Front and up into Idaho. The people that experienced that felt the temperature change immediately. And and so I, I wrote about how we can have times of eclipses on our soul and and that I think... On our faith journey. And on our yes. faith journey. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in many fronts in my life, I tried to write from a place of authenticity that I don't have it all figured out. I When I wrote the beauty chapter, that was the week I felt the least beautiful from an inside perspective. Um, I have a daughter that's 15, almost 16, and she very much represents to me someone that's comfortable in their own skin. And she's not on social media yet. And I've always said to her, I'm trying to preserve the cake so no one bumps it. Um, because I, 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 if I could package what I see in her and, and take it in myself, 
it would be the healing balm that I wanted to offer in that specific chapter. In other words, before she's internalized the messages that she needs to look a different way, right. she should be acting a different right. way, she should be speaking a different Dressing, way. Dressing her mm-hmm. hair, her body, whatever. And and really what I called out in that chapter was that she's surrounded by beautiful people, men and women, but she hears them talk about their bodies like it's a weapon. And that concerns me because when she's walking by these people that I know she admires and she hears how they're speaking about their food, their bodies, their appearances, I think, what is the message she's getting? And and the responsibility we have as adults to stop it. We need to stop it because our, our sons and daughters, our nieces and nephews, our neighbor kids are hearing us talk about ourselves in such a debilitating, disparaging way that they then look in the mirror and think, huh, if that beautiful neighbor of mine thinks that she's to this or to that, then what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And how I wouldn't let you come into my home and punch a hole in my wall. So be prepared if you ever come to my house and you start talking about yourself in that way, I will ask you to stop. And I've done it. I've said in our home, we don't we don't talk about bodies and food in that way because I want my child to have as much space to realize that we are all different shapes and sizes, we're all different colors, we're all different, and that is our strength, not our weakness. It's interesting, though, because even though I, I live very close to someone who's made a lifetime out of treating uh, women, uh, young women and adult women who have struggled with um, eating disorders mm-hmm. and their effects, and and um, even though he has said, focus on your body as a tool, focus on your body and what it can help you do and experience like an in this world. Mm-hmm. Just what, you know, what is it that you want your body to do? Mm-hmm. What, where is it going to carry you? Mm-hmm. What those, those kind of things rather than the aesthetic cosmetic mm-hmm. look, even though I understand and I believe in that, what's so ingrained are oh. the messages. So it comes out of your mouth accidentally well, it's, about, you know, oh, I... I hate the way these things look on me. I was or at the whatever, gym right? the other day and I, because of chronic illness, I moved my body to keep moving my body. Mm-hmm, That's my why. Sure. And by the time I left the gym, I had realized I was in comparison and the, the other people around me, I was in a really bad place in comparison. And I thought, wait, I would never speak to anyone I love the way I'm talking to myself. And I've written a book. <laughs> With the whole chapter on this. So I validate you that even though I know that too, it's summertime. I'm more susceptible. All of a sudden, everyone's putting on bathing suits, right? We just talked about how people don't enjoy buying them. And, and what is that about? And, and I, I think one of, the, one of the big takeaways for me from writing this book was that I have to keep choosing into knowing that I'm enough. I have to keep checking the messages I'm telling myself. When people come up to my daughter in front of me and comment on her beauty because she is very, she's very beautiful from this light that I see in her, I will always say, and she's so, she's even more beautiful inside because I think that's the, that's the place we need to go to is that, you know, when my grandma was dying and, and transitioning out of this life graduating, I tried to memorize the wrinkles on her hands because that that was such an example of symbol of love for me in my life. And I thought, I don't know how many times she wanted to put cream on them <laughs> to make the wrinkles <laughs> and the spots go away. Right. But and- it was her beauty. It was her age that she still loved to put on makeup, but she had to lift her eyelid to 
to get him on there. She had gone through breast cancer and not had reconstruction, um, but loved to have beautiful shoes and clothes and jewelry. So she cared about how she looked. But I, I, I don't know if she realized I read about this. I don't know if she realized she was giving me a gift by letting herself age in front of me because she's gone now. And now I'm 48 and I'm changing and my body's always changing. We're never stagnant, right? And yet I want to grow old gracefully. I'm in the public eye and I want to feel like I'm looking restful and and still vibrant and youthful. And yet I realized my grandmother had given me such a beautiful gift of, yes, you can go get your hair done and get your nails done, but you're going to start looking like a grandma someday. And that's okay. And that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. Yeah, from one grandma to you. Yeah. <laughs> Gaina Lynn Condi, author and Best of State um, author, uh, award winner. Um, the book is um, I'm Enough. Yes. You are more than enough. You are more than enough. You are more than enough. And you said it ta- tackles 10 different areas. Are, are there areas that you are finding, and I, I know the answer is going to be yes, that directly... Um, affects both men and women. I know body image affects both. It is yeah. something, of course, that women we've been carrying as a burden for centuries longer. Right. But men are now exposed to that. What are, what's another area that you tackle that it's like, you know, when you are speaking to corporations or you're right. speaking, this is something where we're all feeling like we're falling short in. Time. Mm-hmm. Time. That's your most valuable commodity. When people come to hear me speak, I think, oh my God, just give up an hour of your life or 45 minutes of your life. I think men and women are constantly trying to juggle that time factor. And do I have enough time? And and I think there's seasons for certain things. And I talk about the glass ball, rubber ball analogy that I love that when I look at my calendar on a Sunday night for the week, um, there's certain areas that are my glass balls. I needed to be in the studio today by 930 to be with you. That was a glass ball. So this wasn't the morning I'm making a fancy breakfast for for my daughter. She wanted to sleep in. Anyways, it's fine, right? Or this wasn't a day I was going to sleep in myself, right? But if I don't have enough days of rest, specifically with my health issues, then my health will become the glass ball and it won't be the rubber ball anymore and it won't bounce. And I think sometimes life will show you where you've maybe not been off balance. You've been off balance where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden my kids heard me one day saying no to a speaking request that was for a lot of money and for a reputable group. And there was already too much um, in that category of my life on the calendar that week. And my son had big white eyes. Did you just say no? And I said, did you not know I said no? And he only assumed because he was only hearing about the yeses when we would calendar as a family. So one of my tips I like to give, especially with groups that asked me to speak on this subject is have your calendar be color coded coded in some way. Like my phone has that option. My, my computer has that option and they, they sync. So all the relationships in my life and the categories have a color. So I, I'm pretty visual. If I look at my calendar and I see there's all this light color gray, I know that's a heavy work week. If something comes up midweek, I'm not going to add yes, a work thing, but my relationship color is this dark green. If that's not showing up on my calendar this week, then I'm in trouble. And I and I think we need to give permission to say no. One of the things I like to teach is everything you say no to, you're saying yes to something else. And we're afraid to say no. 
We don't want to say no because well, we're afraid we're going to well, not have an opportunity again. Not only that, we are raised, are living in a time, especially in the last 30 years or so, where to do more, to be more, to accomplish more, to be in demand, to be recognized, to be the best, that is a huge value. If we go back 100 years, that was that was really cool for a very few people. The rest of us, it was valued if you worked hard, if you were a family, you know, man or woman, if you had good character and there were things. And when the sun went down, yeah. you went to bed. You yeah. didn't go work exactly. on your computer all night. Exactly. So yeah. it is different. And sometimes we have to have that ability, at least in my opinion, to step out of the bubble of the culture we're in, <laughs> the time period we're in and go, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, I, well, I had my own experience, uh, I don't know, three years ago where just overbooking myself finishing a marathon, doing all those things, tripped um, an autoimmune disease that yes. I now have. Yes. And it was interesting because after that, then the doc said, okay, so now moving forward, what are you going to do to put things in balance? Right. And so I just, I looked at the calendar and I just went, okay, once a quarter, I'll do this. Yep. Once a quarter, I'll do that. Right. Once a quarter. And I have white space on my calendar mm-hmm. that's literally a rest day mm-hmm. and I don't I'm not saying I'm in bed the whole day, but I too have a chronic illness that's been my great teacher. You and I have been friends a long time. Yes, we have. And Mm -hmm. we were friends. Our friendship started back in a time in my life where I was part of a magazine and I was doing KSL television monthly. I had a billboard. I was having lunch with the Huntsman's, you Mm -hmm. know. And I remember when God spoke to me to say no and walk away from that. That was a pretty scary thing. And I remember... Um, a very popular reporter here in town took me to dinner and said, how did you know it was time to say no? I'm afraid I won't hear it. And I said, you'll hear it. It's just scary to listen to it and act on that because we're afraid that life will pass by. And I think as women, we have fought so long to have options that we've swallowed this other pill that meant Oh, and we have to do it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but getting older, one of the beautiful things is I don't say yes as easily to things I don't want to do anymore. Well, and what I find is that when I explain I can only do yes. this and I am already committed to that. Right. Um, because I do really believe that a life um, is magnified when we are trying to make a difference in a community. Now, it could be for you. I'm not saying you personally, it could be for you, the listener, that your influence, your, uh, your, the time you volunteer is in your church community. It could be that the time that you volunteer is in your city. It could be that the time that you're volunteering in is in a nonprofit that's important to you. It could be, um, but I do believe that you want to be in your inner circle and you want to have a foot where you're making an impact. And that maybe can, you can take that foot and you can put the whole, body in and then realize, whoa, I, I'm, you know, I'm overextended here. I and for the right mom back. right mm-hmm. now that is cutting the peanut butter jelly sandwiches in, in triangles, because that's how their child likes it and trying to teach them to read and go potty in the potty, you are affecting the universe right now. And so I think, is it great that there are other moms in your neighborhood that have an Etsy store? Yeah. But be really careful that you're not, I, I think Brene Brown talks about this, that you're driving in your lane. And for me, that's a very God-directed experience. If I'm not careful, I was just talking to a successful actor yesterday, and he was on my podcast, and he said something like, I will not hustle. And I I say that to myself a lot. Like, I want to say yes and move forward in my lane. 
but I don't want to hustle to where I start to drift into someone else's lane because I'm trying. They they look like me. They they have so much similar in their lives than I do, and so maybe this is where I should be showing up too. That can be really really damaging. And I think sometimes like for you and I both, a chronic illness is a great wake up call, change in a relationship, a loss of someone you care about that puts some things in perspective. And I, I love what you're saying, because there are plenty of years where cutting the triangle, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're also different in our mothering. Um, right. For me, because I didn't have a mom who cut up the peanut butter. Yes. Um, I found great joy in cutting up the peanut butter and jelly and sitting out on the grass and going to the park on the swings. It had more meaning for me. It was never uh, um, a a diminished role for me Mm -hmm. or time because for me, that's that's what I was finding such joy. And we all do find joy in different lanes. I'm so glad you brought up Brene Brown. We could talk forever. The good thing is... maybe I'll come back. Yeah, you need to. (laughs) Anytime you want me to. And the good thing is there's more to hear from Gaynalyn Condi. What is your podcast called? So my podcast is called The Reconnect Podcast. You won't find it with my name. It's sponsored by the Anasazi Foundation and we are powered by the Sturry Studios. So we're on YouTube as well. So you can... Some podcasts are just audio. Um, but I have a YouTube channel where I have a lot of content that I do separate from my podcast. Mm-hmm. And because I have the weirdest name on the planet. <laughs> okay, what? G-A-N-E-L hyphen L-Y-N? Correct. And if you don't use the hyphen, you can still find me on Google because Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> They're like, get YouTube, that hyphen out of the They're not always sure what to do with the, with the hyphen. My website does not have the hyphen, but two L's, yes. And so... I'm when people say how can I find you and I say it's the only good reason to have a name that no one else has it's really easy to find me <laughs> Gainel Lynn Lynn Condi C O N D I E thank you so much Thanks for coming for today coming forward in my life so many years ago and being an example and mentor and a friend from day 1 the moment I met you I know this show isn't just about you but your heart and spirit is evident. You lead with that. And you came forward in my life at a time that, um, you know, I I just was really great. I think when women help women, um, we need to celebrate that because sometimes women get a bad rap and you 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 have always been gracious and generous. So oh, you're thank you. so kind. I could say the very same thing <laughs> to you and I should. And I, and I love the fact that you've been able to um, continue to make an impact in the lives of so many other people and helping them love themselves and thank love you. their life. Gaina Lynn Condi, thank you for joining us on this Thanks, week's edition Rebecca. of Utah Weekly Forum.